0: Hey everyone, welcome back to JCM Prepare the Way. My name is Carol and I just want to thank you for tuning back into our series, Israel's Anointing. We are trying to bring you biblical insight into God's heart and purpose for Israel. And today is episode four, the family story, the making of Israel. Now when we begin reading in Genesis, keep in mind, we are looking at history from God's point of view. It's a bit of a broad brushstroke, too, that covers centuries of time. But then there's this zooming in from the whole world and all of its people to one particular family, as if they were the most important family on earth. And from one point of view, they were. They were part of the very important line of Seth, the third son born to Adam and Eve after Cain killed Abel. And it was after Seth that the Bible tells us is when people began to call on the name of the Lord, Genesis four twenty six. This is very important to remember as we move forward. So from Seth's line, this line that calls on the name of the Lord, we've discover that there is a man that came through that line named Noah. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. Now, when the time of the flood had ended, Noah began to farm, and he planted a vineyard, and over time produced wine from that vineyard. Well, one particular night, being drunk with wine, his son Ham saw his father sleeping naked in his tent, and then left to go tell his two brothers. But those two brothers, Shem and Japheth, out of respect for their father, took a garment to cover their father's nakedness, even walking in backwards to the tent so as not to look on his nakedness. Well, when Noah woke up, and learned what had happened, he did something sometimes we can quickly overlook when we are reading the Bible, but yet it has profound significance. Noah pronounced a curse and a blessing over his sons. For Ham, the one who looked upon his father's nakedness and told his brothers, Noah did not curse him directly, but cursed his son Canaan, saying that Canaan would be a servant of servants to his brethren. Then Noah pronounced a blessing to his son Shem by saying, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. Then Noah said to Jepheth, May God enlarge Jepheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. Now when we look at the descendants of Ham, You discover that they settled the areas of northern Africa, including the northern and eastern coastline, which also includes the land of Egypt. But they also settled in a little sliver of land right above there and named it Canaan, ultimately becoming the ancient Canaanites, a land that would eventually become the promised land, Israel. When we look at Shem's descendants, you discover that they settled in the area we now know as Saudi Arabia, Syria, and Iraq. And then when we look at Japheth's descendants, God did enlarge them because they settled in the area we now know as Turkey, Greece, Iran, and Asia. So the descendants of all three sons of Noah populated what we now know as the Middle East. So to recap, Shem and Jepheth took eastern and northern lands of the Middle East, and of the two, Jem was the only one promised a blessing. And part of Canaan's curse was that he would be a servant to the other two. Now, a blessing or a curse might not seem like a big deal to us today, but to God, a spoken blessing invoked the blessing of God over another person, the same as a curse would. So, whether spoken directly by God or through someone else, in this case, Noah, the blessing Noah spoke came from God, and it meant God's favor and divine power were released over someone or something to do which they were designed to do, and in this case, it was Shem. For Shem, this meant that his lineage had the supernatural force of divine favor and God's power at work towards him to prosper the very thing God wanted to accomplish through him. So just as the power of that blessing is working in those in Shem's family line, the same is true regarding the curse working in Canaan's line, who is to be a servant to the other two. And so for Shem, we know that part of the blessing given to him from Noah is that the Lord will be blessed and known as the God of Shem. And so we pick up that zoom lens, right? And at the end of Genesis 11, in the beginning of Genesis 12, we zoom down a little closer now and we discover a man named Abram, a direct descendant of Shem, who is living in a place called Ur of the Chaldeans, what we know as ancient Babylon, which was part of the larger territory where Shem and his descendants settled which is why we find Abram living there. And in that place, God spoke to Abram, and he delivered a promise to him, a promise that comes through Shem's line to this man, Abram. And he says this at the opening of Genesis 12, Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, there's that powerful word again, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, knowing what we now know about the power of blessing and cursing, rereading this verse takes on a whole new emphasis of what God is doing through Abram and how God is using Abram to bless all the families of the earth. Now, Canaan was not yet the servant to Shem and Japheth that he was pronounced to be by his grandfather Noah, but that was about to change. God began to set in motion the fulfillment of the words that Noah spoke over his sons. Always remember, God is long-suffering when it comes to his word. He's very patient in watching it play out, but make no mistake, he watches over his word to perform it. Whatever he speaks will come to pass at just the right fullness of time. And with Abram, it was time. So Abram brings his family and travels to this land God showed him, which just so happened to be the land of Canaan, the land of his distant relatives. And then he travels through the land down towards the southern end, when the Lord appeared to him, saying, To your descendants I will give this land. Genesis 12:7. Now, not counting the creation story, ten generations had passed between Adam and when Noah was born. And then again, another ten generations had passed between Noah and Abram. So in this simple verse, To your descendants I will give this land. God is promising the land of Canaan, what we now know today as Israel, to Abram's descendants. Ten generations had passed since Noah's blessing on Shem. So what's it to God to take his time fulfilling the promise to Abram? So in this moment between God and Abram, the blessing given to Shem will start to see its fulfillment. That the Lord will be blessed God of Shem. And how true that statement is. For Shem is listed in the lineage of our Lord Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 3. After the Lord appeared to Abram, he then built an altar to the Lord and it says he called on his name, Genesis 12.8, the same way his ancestors before him in Genesis 4 when men began to call on the name of the Lord so Abram not yet called Abram Abraham and his family including his nephew Lot were settled in the southern end of Canaan when a fam- a famine came to the land and it prompted them to move to Egypt more descendants of Canaan, more distant relatives now Abram's wife in the Bible, is described as someone who was very beautiful. So much so, that on their way to Egypt, Abram feared that if people in Egypt knew he was her husband, they would kill him to get to her. So they agreed to present her as his sister. Indeed, the men did take notice of Sarah, especially the princes of Pharaoh who commended her to Pharaoh. She was taken to Pharaoh's house, And there, Abram was treated well as a result. And this will pick back up when we talk about some of Abraham's sons. Now, it doesn't say how long they lived in Pharaoh's house. We do know that this greatly displeased God, though. So much so that he filled Pharaoh's house with a series of plagues until the truth finally came out about Sarah not being Abram's sister. And then Abram and Sarah were sent away. When Abram returned to Canaan, he then returned to the altar that he built for the Lord and called on his name again. And this is what that line does. They call on God's name. Now, being very wealthy and rich in livestock, Abram and his nephew Lot decided to part ways because their possessions were too great and they couldn't dwell together. So Abram settled in a place called Hebron, and built an altar there, again to call upon the Lord. Do you see the pattern forming in this line? Well, after a battle against neighboring nations, more distant relatives, due to a situation his nephew Lot found himself in, Abram returned from a victorious battle, but was met by a mysterious figure of the Bible, a king, the king of Salem, Salem being an older and shorter name for Jerusalem. His name was Melchizedek, which means king of righteousness. And he called himself the priest of God most high. And this priest blessed Abram. There's that word again. And he said this to Abram, blessed be God of blessed be Abram of God most high possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. So notice this blessing, that Abram belongs to God Most High. So Abram is now operating not only just under a generational blessing through Noah, and also a blessing by God himself in Genesis 12, but now a blessing by the priest of God Most High. In Genesis 14, 19, understanding this, we can begin to understand why God cut covenant with Abram and promised him land and descendants, which we'll get to. And it is a promise that is bound on every side by God's blessings. Remember, as it says in Numbers 23, verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie nor the Son of Man, that he should change his mind. But what he says he will do, what he promises he fulfills, and what he blesses, no one can revoke. Genealogies, friends, are in our Bible for a reason. Abraham is one of Shem's most distinguished descendants. And when we study genealogies in detail, we discover that both Noah and Shem were alive at the time of Abram's birth, and that Abram would have known his grandfather Noah before he died, and that Abram would have been around 50 years old at the destruction of the Tower of Babel, which would have taken place in the land where he lived, and that Abram would have known Shem. Shem. And you can deduce all of that by your own calculations just by reading through the lineage and ages of the people of the Bible. These are important facts because it means that Abraham more than likely spent many years in the house of Noah and Shem and received instruction from them. That means he learned all the details about the flood from the very men who built the ark and survived the flood. Or consider the fact that Noah knew Methuselah, Enoch's son and Noah's grandfather, who in turn knew Adam for many hundreds of years, which means that Abraham received reliable information about everything that happened since the first day of creation. When I returned from Israel just recently, God had me in Isaiah 43 And in that chapter, he says something very, very important that we are not to miss. That Israel, the people ultimately descended from Seth, from Shem, from Abraham, and as we'll learn in the next episode, Isaac and Jacob, he calls them his witnesses. There is no other people group in the world and no other holy book in the world that can show the former things, God says. Which is why through the prophet Isaiah, God says, Who among can declare this and show us the former things? Let them bring out their witnesses that they may be justified, or let them say it is truth. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord. And besides me, there is no Savior. I have declared and saved. I have proclaimed, and there was no foreign God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses. God's story continues to unfold through Abram, whose name will change to Abraham, as we watch two lines emerge through two of his sons, Ishmael and Isaac. And we'll pick up there in our next episode. God bless you.